Hey there. So happy to join with you today. Oh, hmm. We're so blessed. So blessed. It is a time for us to receive our blessings and to allow the blessings to fully flow in our hearts and in our minds. And so let us do that right now. Let's open ourselves to the unprecedented, unlimited flow of God. The life of God is what we're living, and we are grateful and thankful to know that it is so. Hmm. So grateful and thankful to open our hearts and open our minds to the higher Holy Spirit self, to the love of God. Surrendering all sense of lack and limitation, we remember our true identity is we are the perfect givers and receivers of love. This is our true nature. This is our true identity. Mm. Taking this breath of love and gratitude, we open ourselves to the I am that I am. The I am presence feeding us, funding us, living through us and as us. We're surrendering all belief in a separate identity. We're surrendering all false identification. We're letting the false identification fall away forever. We're allowing ourselves to be lifted into the full awareness of our true nature and our true identity. And we are grateful and thankful that forgiveness is the tool that we use. I'm so grateful and thankful to surrender the meaning that we have made of things. So grateful and so thankful to open ourselves to the truth that sets us free. We call upon the violet flame, invoking the violet flame into our awareness. To soak and saturate every aspect of our life and being. We call for oceans and oceans and waves and waves of violet flame energy to soak and saturate, to deeply penetrate every particle of life on earth. Breathing in love, breathing in gratitude, we're grateful and thankful to consciously choose freedom. So we're invoking that violet flame in our heart and mind and choosing true freedom, everlasting freedom. Freedom to be our true nature. Freedom to live as our true identity. We're grateful and we are thankful to open ourselves in the unlimited flow of healing. The power and the presence of God is revealing itself as every activity of our life. We are grateful to recognize I am my beloved I am presence. I am 
invoking the full power of the violet flame to transmute cause, core, effect, record, and memory. So grateful and so thankful to invoke the power of the violet flame to transmute cause, core, effect, record, and memory of every thought, feeling, word, or action I have ever expressed in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown, that reflects poverty, consciousness, or lack and limitation of any kind. I am, my beloved I am presence, invoking the full power of the violet flame to transmute, cause, core, effect, record, and memory of every thought, feeling, word, or action humanity has ever expressed in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown, that reflects anything less than the limitless perfection of God. We're open and receptive right now to all of our teachers in all directions of time and space. We are willing to remember our true nature and our true identity as perfect love. Surrendering all attachment to false beliefs. We are grateful and thankful to call upon the company of heaven, to call upon the ancestors, and all that is holy, we choose to remember the truth of perfection. We are grateful and thankful to invoke the vital flame into our heart and mind for transmutation for freedom. Through the beloved presence of God, I am now blazing in my heart. I invoke all the reasons of life throughout infinity who are associated with the six dimensional frequencies of the violet flame and the twelve solar aspects of deity. Blessed ones, as I invoke this divine light for myself, I simultaneously invoke it for my loved ones and all humanity. Blaze, 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 the full momentum of this sacred violent fire in, through, and around every electron of precious life energy I've ever misqualified in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown. Transmute these patterns of imperfection, cause, for, effect, record, and memory into God's limitless perfection. Blaze, blaze, blaze the full momentum of this sacred fire fire into and around every electron of precious life energy I've ever misqualified in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown. Transmute these patterns of imperfection, cause, force, effect, record, and memory into God's limitless perfection. 
I am now blazing the various six dimensional frequencies of the violet flame associated with the 12 solar aspects of healing to every thought, word, action, or feeling I've ever expressed that reflects anything less than the immaculate concept of my full divine potential. I am now blazing the various six dimensional frequencies of the violet flame associated with the full solar aspects of beauty to every thought, word, or action, any feeling that I have ever expressed in all dimensions of time and space that reflects anything less than the immaculate concept of my full divine potential. Beloved, I am looking at my life and see what remains to be done by me to any person, place, condition, or thing as may have wrong at any time, in any way, for any reason whatsoever. Reach your great loving hands of light into all of the positively qualified things I believe throughout my earthly soldier and draw forth a thousand times as much perfection as I've ever done wrong. Fashion from this substance of perfection, the gift of love, whatever is necessary to balance every debt I've created would still remain unseen to any part of life. Beloved, I am looking through my eyes and see what yet remains to be bound by me. The only person place, conditional thing I may have wronged at any time in any way for any reason whatsoever. Reach your great loving hands of light into all of the positively qualified energy I believe throughout my earthly sojourn and draw forth a thousand times as much perfection as I've ever done wrong. Fashion from this substance of perfection, gift of love, whatever is necessary to balance every debt I've created which still remains unpaid to any part of life. Beloved I am, I ask you to forgive every person, place, condition, thing which may have wronged me in any way and balance all that owes me my life everywhere.
Beloved I am, I ask you to forgive every person, place, condition, or thing which may have wronged me in any way, and balance all that owed to me by life everywhere. I accept this done through the power of God I am. And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. Let's take that breath together. So grateful that's from the Invoking the Violet Flame Meditation, page 40 in Patricia Colorado's book. I just love that one. I find it so helpful and uplifting and comforting. Hmm. All right. So I'm going to unmute everyone here, everyone who's on the phone to or Skype to be unmuted. So prepare to self-mute. There we go. Yeah. So I have a question for folks, and it is, uh, I've, I've talked in recent weeks about giving up the habit of trying to understand things, trying to make sense of things, and trying to figure things out, and instead move into direct asking and knowing. And I am wondering if anyone has been practicing this, paying attention to this, what have you noticed? So I'm going to uh, call on you and just see what you can share. So, Nancy. Nancy, can you respond and hear me? Do you hear me? Jennifer? Hey. Hi. I haven't been on the calls for some time. Okay. Oh, I just 
Okay. I got hurt in the um, beginning of March. I fell on I remember. Black, <clears throat> black ice, and it's like I'm still in physical. I'm still not back to work. Right. And I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. But um, I started going to Al-Anon, and I'm learning a lot there. I've been there in like a week. But anyways, mm. um, your quest, your... Um, Have you been able to listen to any of the classes? No. Oh. So I didn't hear. So, but ask your question again. Cause well, I think I didn't. one of the things that I've given people uh, an assignment to do was to stop allowing their mind to go into the pattern of trying to figure things out, trying to make sense of things, trying to understand things. Okay. To interrupt that pattern of expending their mental energy going around and around, trying to understand things when we have the ability to just ask for direct knowing and the truth. Because whatever we're trying to figure out, whatever we're trying to understand, it's no substitute for the truth. And when we ask for the truth, it appears full-blown in our awareness. Barbara, everybody's unmuted. Um, And so being able to uh, recognize, well, I can have the truth. Why would I invest my mental energy and effort and time into trying to understand things and figure things out, make meaning of things? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have I been, how have I been, have I been, I've actually been doing that, you know, without even knowing that's what you <laughs> It's like, okay, because, like, my relationship with God is, I guess it's pretty direct, I think. And it's like, whenever I ask a question, I'll get an answer. And um, it's just a matter of me putting aside my um, my own will mm-hmm. and doing it. So, um, yes, and I figured out, it's like, well, I know why this all happened, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's part of the part of my whole process. So the last time I had something major like this is, was 12 years ago when I, oh, it was before the, the 12 years, but that was the point of getting the job that I have that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And that. You, okay, so using my job, I used my job, you know how you um, self-medication, et cetera, avoiding mm-hmm. problems, that's what I would work in, I would work extra. That's how I used my job, even though I, I absolutely love it. And um, mm-hmm. But that's how I would use it to whenever there was a major problem or something. Instead of dealing with it, I would avoid it by working extra. But anyways, and so apparently the time is over for me to be doing that. <laughs> so now it's like I'm having to face a major problem. And um, it's like God knew I wasn't going to do it on my own, and so he had to take a little action there and um, to make it possible. Anyways, I know that's, and I know that is, you know, 
so I can get angry and all that, and then I don't, you know, like ask them. And I say, I'll try to figure it out. It's like, Ugh. but anyways, when I ask a direct question, I get an answer, and there's no doubt about it, and I know what the answer is. So um, it's just a matter of me choosing to do it or not, mm-hmm. and to listen to listen or not. Mhm. Mhm. So I really don't ask unless I know I'm going to listen because I know I'm, he's going to answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so does that answer your question? It sure does. Thank okay. you so much. You're welcome. Uh-huh. Thanks. Yeah. And I'm glad. Um, it's like I'm glad that um uh, that I tuned in today. So. Yeah, I'm glad you did too. Been wondering how you were. Mm, thanks. Yeah. Well, the weather is nice. It's beautiful here today. No, no rain today except early this morning, but no flooding, no nothing. It's just perfect. Oh, good. So, and I don't know where you are in the world right at the moment, so wherever you are. But I do the daily blog, your, the prayer and everything. So that's yeah. been, you've been doing a really nice job with that. Thank you. I'm in Hawaii. Okay. Yep. And uh, we just had a rainstorm while during the opening prayer. Just poured rain. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and oh, and I want to say one, one more thing. My my prayer partner and I we have we talk on Wednesday, like in the evening, early evening, late afternoon, and um, so that's really cool. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. And I hear that uh, Al-Anon is the best of the AA programs. Yeah. People really love it, so good for yep. you. Mm-hmm. Yep, thank you. It's really, Al-Anon is really about codependency. Right. Yeah. Has anybody ever participated in Al-Anon for any length of time? I, you talk, you're talking to everybody, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Because you just started. Yeah, I did. It's nope. also they also said it's a spiritual program, so which is perfect. Uh huh. Um, I didn't ever realize that. Yeah. So. And it's it's I needed like the physical uh, people. Mhm. Versus the you know the um. Online in cyberspace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is was very helpful. Totally get that. Yeah. How about you, Anne Marie? Have you noticed? Uh, have you been interrupting the patterns of trying to figure things out and understand things? Anne-Marie, maybe you can't unmute yourself at this time. Can you hear me? Oh, there you are. And Barbara, I muted you out because there's a lot of static on your line there. Yeah. Anne-Marie, how about you? Have you been able to work Uh, with that? Yes. Um, um, My husband had, had a severe tooth infection and Mm. we went through some um, he got some root canal treatment two times and then the dentist said that he 
should have uh, start putting afterwards uh, into the root so that he can put a tooth on top, I mean, one of those teeth from the technician. And I was extremely worried about this because I felt, oh, my husband cannot stand this because I knew it's a difficult procedure. It takes an hour and a half. has a lot of drilling, and even with... Uh, with injections to relieve the pain, I knew it was still diff very difficult, it would be very difficult for him. And I sort of, I have to say, I sort of tortured myself for many days whether I should go ahead and have it done for him because my husband cannot make the decision these days. Uh, this kind of decision is too difficult for him to make. Mm -hmm. So I kept wondering, one day I would say, I'm not going to have it done. The next day I would say, oh, no, I'm going to have it done. And then after several days, all of a sudden, it just totally dawned on me. This is just my fear, and this can be done. It is no problem. This This was the answer that I got, you know, when I realized I don't have to understand it myself. I just yeah. have to ask for help. Yeah. And I I was just so happy to get this answer, and we went ahead, and he had the procedure done just a few days ago, and everything went so well, no problem. And I have to say that was a really... A tremendous uh, insight for me, you know, that this was just personal fear and that the answer will come from the divine, for, from our divine Savior. That is a beautiful demonstration, Anne Marie, and this is just such a perfect example of trying to understand, trying to figure it out. You, yeah. you you love your husband. You would like to protect him from any suffering. You'd like to be able to make the highest and best decision for him. So trying to gather facts and information to be able to make the decision. And so... Yes, and so in the fact-finding, in trying to gather the information to make the decision, what's happening in the mind? What, what are the kinds of thoughts that you're thinking? What are the kinds of thoughts that you're putting your attention, your awareness, your energy into when you're trying to figure well, it out? I just... Uh, uh, it's hard to describe because... It was sort of an uproar inside myself, you know. <laughs> and um, as I said before, sometimes I said to myself, I asked my, one of my daughters, who is a physician, what she thinks about it. You know, I, I went all around. I even called the dentist, and I asked him. And, of course, every time they say, it is your decision. And then it just... Suddenly, it dawned on me, you know, my anxiety. I had such an anxiety about it. And 
it just dawned on me it this I don't need to have an anxiety. It is all fine. It is it's my fear and my fear of course I have to forgive my fear. That's what it's all about. Yes, because fear is the result of what? What is the judgment? Yes. And and what what is the judgment in this case? What are the thoughts or the judgments that produce the fear? Well, that <clears throat> that he would have major problems, and I would feel guilty about it, and it is it is my <laughs> my guilt would come up. I mean, or was projected, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's also it's the thought that we're not divinely guided and protected. Definitely. Yeah. Very clearly. Very clearly. It's the thought that we're on our own and we have to figure it out. There is no it's the thought that there is no access to truth, to wisdom, protection, divinity. We're on our own, working in the dark, trying to figure it out. And, you know, basically it's almost like we're trying to build a house with a spoon and a stick. Yeah. You know, because we've lost all our access to the good tools and the, the great intelligence. So Basically, it's also yeah. a lack of trust on my side, right? Exactly. I didn't trust the higher self that this would work out, you know? And when I realized it was fear, then I was suddenly able to trust because I remembered what fear is, you know? So this is the perfect way for you to learn this. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the perfect way for you to learn this because you decided to stop trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah, and it went well. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes what happens is we're of a split mind. And this is part of what, what this class is about today, being in the split mind. So sometimes we're in the, the situation where we'd like to trust. We're going to trust, but in our heart, in our belief system, we fear, we doubt, we worry. So we take the yes, we take the inspired action, but in our heart we are in our belief in darkness. It remains. Right? Haven't we all experienced that? We take inspired action, but in our heart we don't trust it. Now in this case, how how did you feel in your heart? Well, as I said, I before I made the decision I mean realized what what I should be doing. I had a very 
I mean, I had a loving heart towards my husband, but I had a very split heart in a way. <laughs> just, uh, just constantly thinking from the ego side, typically ego side, ego suggestion, you know. And mm-hmm. but afterwards, my heart was singing, <laughs> really. Yeah. After the session, my heart was singing. I was grateful. Oh. <laughs> yes, there you go. So that that's a great example that you you actually you hit into that clear perception, that clear knowing. So that's yes. that's exactly what I'm talking about here. Is if we're going around and around trying to understand something, trying to figure it out trying to gather information and weigh the facts and the figures. And, you know, all of that's understandable. We've been trained to do it. We've been trained. That's what smart people do. They get estimates from many people. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to do. I'm saying that's what the ego does. But we are training ourselves to really live in the higher self to live as the I am. And so the I am knows the highest and best choice in every moment. You see, but here's the thing. If we listen to the I am in something, but not in others, because some places we're identified, we'd like to be identified with the ego, with the small self, harbor resentment and regret, then we're muddying the water and we're not going to trust that we can have clear perception. Does that make sense to people? Can can you say that again? I can. So let's let's say that um, in this beautiful example that Anna Marie has given us, that she... um, she still was really strongly reserving the right to um, doubt herself, to attack other people, to hold judgments and opinions of various kinds. If she really wasn't um, working this curriculum, if she wasn't really attuned to it, she would have lots of doubt. And so she might have taken inspired action, but she might also have felt a lot of doubt. Like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing, but it is my guidance, so I'm going to do it anyway. I don't really trust it. I don't feel really good about it, but I am going to follow it. So then there's a sense of uh, not having real clarity. But you see, she Anne Marie, she's really interested in waking up. She's really, she's working it. And so when she hit that clear knowing, she knew it. It was clear to her. She felt the relief. She felt the freedom. Her mind knew this is the right thing. She didn't have doubt. She didn't have worry and fear. Yep, Okay. That's yeah, I guess that's the thing when with me, I know that I'll get I know I know I will get an answer. Yeah. And then I'll say do a, but 
I also know it'll be I know it'll be the right one and the best one for everyone. However, I then I put on it. It's like, well, do I want it? It won't be what it probably won't be exactly what I want. Oh. So then I have to decide: Do I want to, do I want to ask the question? Because I'll know I'll get the right I'll get the the answer from God, and it'll be the right one for everyone. Mm-hmm. So then I have to, but it might not be what my my what I would want. Right. So, so then it's like so. Go ahead. So how could it be that it wouldn't that the highest and best solution wouldn't be what Nancy would like? That can only be if you're identified with the ego, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's the thing that took me so long to get. So you, you, you've heard me talk about I'm going to give 70% of my life to God. I'm going to give 80% of my life to God. 90% of my life to God. All that percentage was about I need to have part of my life where I can say, no way, God. I'm doing it my way. Yes, exactly. And so as long as I wanted any percentage for my separate self, I didn't want unity. I didn't want one-mindedness. I didn't want clarity. I didn't want freedom. I wanted the freedom to say, I choose fear. I choose my opinions. I choose the right to attack. So that was the thing that changed everything for me is I real I got to the point where I realized, oh, I'm thinking that my true identity is the ego. My I'm thinking my true identity is the bad one. The one who wants to be able to get mad at a telemarketer. I think I'm the one who would want to go have sex with a stranger and smoke crack or just eat a quart of ice cream or do anything that I might label as bad and wrong, not good, not holy, not perfect. I'm the one who's going to choose those things. And so I can't say, oh, I'm I'm going to be good and holy and perfect all the time because I'm not that. And as long once I realized, wait a minute, I am the good and whole and perfect one all of the time. That's my true identity. This other thing is a false identity. And then I said to the higher self, don't let me choose the false identity anymore. Let me recognize the false identity for what it is. An illusion. It's fake. It's not who I am. The one who wants to be mean to a telemarketer, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm not the one who wants to smoke cigarettes and get drunk and have sex with a stranger. That's not me. Why do I want to reserve the the right to act like somebody else? That was a big turning point for me. Because then I just said, oh, I'm going to stop thinking that there's anything wrong with me from now on. And I really, (laughs) you know, I still work with it. I still work with it. I still discover, oh, you know, there's a little bit of something's wrong there. Still find it. But I know it's still not me. 
I don't think it's me anymore. I might for a second, but then I'm like, whoa, what was I thinking? Is that helpful to anyone? <laughs> Sorry, I got you going on it. <laughs> yes, it's helpful. Thank you. <laughs> well, to me anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because for me, it goes back to trust. Now it goes back to the way I was raised in a whole bit. Anyway, can I say something in, uh, I thought I think is interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, I discovered that actually was yesterday, was it yesterday a, a couple of days ago, that um, I remember when I was in therapy, I used to, I used to describe my life as uh, being in an isolation chamber or cell inside a concentration camp. Um, anyway, which is actually how I, I mean, it's really close, literally. Anyway, and, um, I remember in, when I was in therapy, um, cause I had no relationships with people or nature or anything, um, that I, I remember one day I, I went and I asked them, the, the man, I said, I don't know how to do, I don't know how to hu- do human. I said, I don't know how to be human. I don't know what life is. I don't know how to do life. I don't know how to do this. And he sat there and looked at me like, what? I said, and that was a legitimate question. And um, I said something like that the other day at at Al-Anon, and I got all these people like responding to me. It's like, what? They said, yes. And I thought I was the only one in the world that had ever had that experience. And it's literally... It's literally true. I mean, I did not, to this day, it's like, I don't know how to do all this stuff. Um, Anyway, see, the point was, what did you say? The point was... um, A lot of people feel that way, Nancy. A lot of people. I I used to feel that way. I still don't know how to do any of this stuff. The only thing he could help me with was how how to make a friend. But other than that, it's like I don't know how to do. I and it's like I forgot the point here. <laughs> how did you know that you did know how to do it? How did I know to do what? How would you know if you did know how to do it? Like, do you know how to boil an egg? Yeah. How do you know that you know how to do it? Because I've done it. I I heard someone, I don't understand your question. So what is it that you feel you don't know how to do? Um, Huh, interesting question. (laughs) I don't, okay, (laughs) I'll think about that one. (laughs) Interesting. Because what I heard you say was that you didn't know how to do life. Yeah. And what the sense of it I had was that you didn't know how to do life in the way that some people see on some television shows. Or in what we see as what we think of as the surface of other people's life. You know, there are many people who on the surface of their life they know how to 
pay their taxes and pay their bills and grow their money and raise their children and things like that. But they they may not know how to be happy. They may not know how to be playful. They may not know how to be intimate sexually. They may not know how to forgive. So the, the idea that we don't know how to do life or how to do anything like that, it's really we're comparing, compare, comparing ourselves, you know, comparing despair. So, you know, what I used to do when I was in yoga, because I used to take yoga a lot, and being in L.A., you see these people who are amazing yoginis. And so I would see them just jumping up into a handstand and all these different really challenging postures. And I would say, I can do that. Not right this minute, but I can do that. If they can do that, I can do that, but just not right this minute, not today. So... There, there's, it's, it's, it's so helpful to start to look for where are you making yourself the other? Because that's what I used to do all the time. I was always the other. I was the one on the outside. What, what, the other what? Yeah, I was just the other. I was the other on the one. Outside. The other. Not the one, the other. Not the one who's beautiful. Not the one who's talented. Not the one who's successful. Not the one who's loved. I was the other. Oh, the other one. Okay, I see. I wasn't the one who knew and understood. I was the other one. I was the one that made those people look good. In your mind, right? Yeah. But it was in all is always in your mind, right? It's always everything is all but is in It wasn't just in my mind, it was in my experience because I believed it. I yeah, made because, it but, seem real. Right, which comes from your mind, right? Everything uh-huh. starts with thought. Uh huh. And your experience is, is, comes from your belief, which is mm-hmm. in your mind, which is your judgments and opinions. So I stopped giving myself permission to think I'm the other. Instead, I'm one with that person who can do that thing. I am one with them. I am one with the mind that wrote that book. I am one with the mind who designed that house. I'm one with the mind who set that Olympic record. I'm one with them. Which is true. Yeah. So it's a different, instead of always looking to say, I'm not that, I'm not part of that, because that's what the ego is doing all the time. Separation, 10 different ways. I'm not as good as them, I'm not as bad as them. I'm worse than them. I'm better than them. Can I say something right now? Mm-hmm. I, what I'm looking at, I have this visual. I'm a very, I 
discovered. I'm a very visual person. Um, this is the same thing I've seen in my mind for years. There's like the whole world. Well, there's me, okay? Suppose, this is what I see. There's me. And then over on the other side of the street, if you want to say, because like the street's like the the line, you know. I'm mm-hmm. on this side of the street. On the other right. side of the street is every person in the world and God. And that is what the way. That's the way because of the way I, I started out life and all that stuff. That is the uh, image of that's my been my experience of life. So I am the other, mm-hmm. and everybody else, I'm totally separate from the, the, everything, from one God, the oneness. It's, that's been my – now, how do I change that? I mean, I know it's not true. I know now it's not true, um, but I don't know how to – sometimes I, I I can feel, I can experience the, the – that I'm one, because I, I know that I know the truth, or I know intellectually I know the truth, but and sometimes I can actually experience it, and other times when I don't experience it, I'm in hell, <laughs> right? Totally controlled by fear, right? So it's when the fear is strong to make another choice. Another choice. And to partner up, just to partner up, you say, I'm not interested in being afraid. I'm interested in love. I'm interested in perfection. I'm interested in wholeness. I'm interested in freedom. I'm interested in creativity. God, I'm giving it all to you, and I'm just going to allow you to guide me. Because my yeah, mind yeah. is the mind of God. Right. My hand is the hand of God. My heart is the heart of God. All the lessons, yeah, and all the lessons will come. So, and it's really, it's, I don't know. Okay, help me with this. There's only two choices. I mean, it's so simple. I keep telling my daughter that it's so simple. Yes or no? It's like, it's so simple. You just. And it's okay, okay, so this is the thing. I am she is in my life to show me exactly what I have been doing and apparently am still doing. I'm telling her what to do, like choose not to drink. It's so simple because mm-hmm. all of these other stuff is are just the effects. There's only one treatment for it, not to drink. And I I'm I'm Okay, but I'm. But then it's like I'm a tea drinker, and I've been doing that since my mom used to give me that when I was a kid. And it doesn't always have good results. You know, it affects my kidneys and the whole bit. And um, it's like, and I know that. And today I went in. She left to go to swimming, and I went in to make a cup of tea because I was all upset. And it's like I stood there and I said, "Oh, I'm doing the same thing. I just yelled at her for making a choice, not making the." the choice I want her to make, and I'm doing, it's like I'm making the choice, oh, God, it was so simple. I had just told her that. Mm-hmm. 
And then I just like that Ho'oponopono thing, you know, or whatever. You, if you see it, if you spot it, you got it. It's like mm-hmm. the, 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 this is all a reflection, and that's the whole point of life, right? Well, show me, and that I am living as if I was separate from God, and that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing, all these experience, the the lesson, right? So all things. Our lessons God would have me learn, and it's like... And the truth is, we really already know. We already know. We've just inserted a block in our heart, in our mind, to what we know. So it seems like we're relearning it when really we're remembering it. Now, one thing you could do with your daughter is you could go back to her and say, oh, my God, I see how I'm doing the same thing with the tea. Mm-hmm. You know? So I really get that I, we're having this experience together, and we're both learning. We're both recognizing things together. And so you are my teacher, too. I have told her. Oh, I used uh, a couple of years ago, I used to say that to her all the time. Mm-hmm. But not lately. <laughs> oh, thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, wait a minute. One minute. Second. All right. I'm going to see if Bojana has anything to say. Okay. Bojana? No. If you're speaking, we can't hear you, Bojana. All right. So I'm speaking of being visual and visualization. This is part of what I uh, have planned for us today. So we've been reading the book Unveiled Mysteries and the teachings of St. Germain and uh, towards the end of Chapter 3 where uh, they're looking at the movies of Atlantis and Jesus' life and uh, Richard the Lionhearted. And then uh, St. Germain brings um, Guy back to uh, where his body is and gives him the elixir. And um, he, uh, Guy says, Guy Ballard says, uh, that he's got this question about visualization. What is true visualization and what happens when one does visualize? And uh, I'm looking at it on my Kindle, so it doesn't, uh, doesn't give me the page numbers here. It's a Kindle for Mac. Um, so forgive me, but it's towards the end of page, I mean, chapter 3. So St. Germain says here, true visualization is God's attribute and power of sight. 
acting in the mind of man. When one consciously pictures in his mind a desire he wishes fulfilled, he is using one of the most powerful means of bringing it into visible, tangible experience. There is much confusion and uncertainty in the minds of many concerning what actually happens. When one visualizes or makes a mental picture of something he desires, no form ever came into existence anywhere in the universe unless someone had consciously held a picture of that form in his thought. For every thought contains a picture of the idea within it. Every thought contains a picture of the idea within it. Even an abstract thought has a picture of some kind, or at least a picture that is one's mental concept of it. So, this is why I was asking Anna Marie, what were your thoughts when you were trying to figure out what to do? What were the thoughts, what were the pictures in your mind? Do you have any more clarity that you could share with us? Well, of course, I just saw that uh, in my mind, when I was uh, doubting, I I saw disaster, basically. Exactly. And yeah. when I finally had the recognition, I saw just well-being, goodness, uh, all the wonderful things and exciting excitement that is so good, you know. So, yes, exactly. So isn't trying to figure things out, trying to understand things, isn't it a little bit like having a bunch of images that you're running through your mind to see which ones you're attracted to. I think that's true, yes. (laughs) And what determines which ones we're attracted to? Well, in the beginning I was attracted to to the pictures that showed me it was not going to work, you know. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that that was the, the, the thing you were most attracted to? Any idea? No. All right. So let's let's just open our mind and say, what's the truth here? What was the truth of why Anna Marie was attracted to images of her husband suffering? Well, the images, of course, in a way, is fear, some kind of type of fear. I mean, that's what that's was very clearly in my mind eventually when I recognized my shortcoming or whatever you want to call it. It was a clear, fearful, I don't know, it's it's hard, it's sort of, in a way it was sort of abstract. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. how you show fear right? unless uh, you see a person who is very, 
uh, unless you see it in physical form, but I don't think I saw it in physical form, really, the fear. But I knew in my heart, I knew what fear is. I know my feeling in my chest. I have a specific feeling when the fear comes up, you know. So fear is the result of thinking things that aren't true. So the thought that, that wasn't true, like the dominant thought that wasn't true, any idea what that might have been? Just opening our mind. Let's see if we get the ka-ching answer here. I don't know. I mean, as I said, the thought was that uh, it was my fault that he... That's right. He's going through something right. that's uh, not good for him. Yes. And underneath that is what I get is that the, the the thought that really precipitates that thought is that you do not have what it takes. You do not have the ability to know what's best for him. That's right. That's to make right. that decision. But yes. something shifted in your mind that you recognized you have access to divine wisdom and that that on some level you realize you could access that and that wisdom would be accurate, it would be perfect, and you could trust it. Something shifted. That's the perfect description. And also your description that deep in my mind I felt I was not qualified to make the decision definitely was there. That's why I asked around over and over, you know, what happens if this, if I do this, and, uh, you know, that that was a very strong mm-hmm. sense that I'm not qualified, definitely. And see, this is the this is the strongest thought that most of us have about almost everything in our life that gets in our way. It's this thought, I don't have what it takes. It's kind of interesting to me. I just watched um, the television series Lost on Netflix. So I watched I watched it over the last few <coughs> months. I watched six years episodes. Uh, what series is that? What Lost. Lost. Flow. Lost, L-O-S-T. Uh, okay. Lost. Lost. Uh-huh. Okay, got it. It's about these people who are, uh, their plane, it crashes on a island in the South Pacific, or so mm-hmm. they think, and they're lost. And what they actually are is they're lost in the bardo, which is a Buddhist term for, it's like one of the hell realms. Mm. And so, um, but they they don't know that. And actually they don't, know it for sure until the very end of the sixth season. But um, this one guy, this main character, this is his recurring theme is he does not have what it takes. And this this is the recurring theme for most of us. I do not have what it takes to be loved. I do not have what it takes to be prosperous. 
I do not have what it takes to hold on to money, to hold on to relationships, to hold on to health. I do not have what it takes to be beautiful. I do not have what it takes to be creative and talented. I don't have what it takes to get the job, to keep the job, to keep the spouse, to make them happy over and over and over again. Right? Yes, very much so, yes. I don't have what it takes. And the reason that we have such a strong belief that we don't have what it takes is because we've literally traded what it takes for a separate identity. So what it takes to have everything that we need is simply to accept it and to allow it. But instead, we said, no, 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 I, I don't want to accept my greatness, my magnificence, my perfection, my wholeness. I would rather trade that for the right to attack. And this is why... Yeah, this brought, yeah. brought it really home to me now, now this, this last, very last discussion with you, it, I guess sometimes we're a little bit um, tight or whatever, <laughs> but this really brought it home, I have to say. Thank you so much for this uh, visual example, you know. Well, this is it. You know, it's, this is the way it works for all of us that when, as soon as we're willing to really know the truth and to give up our defenses against the truth. And our defenses are all the distractions and all the false beliefs. As soon as we're willing to give that up, then the truth, it opens in our mind like the perfectly formed flower that it is that has everything that it needs to be itself. So this is part of what St. Germain is saying, is that he's saying about visualization, that, um, uh, and we're going to run out of time here, but I really would ask everyone to study this for next time. So he's, because what he's saying is that, True visualization is God's attribute and power of sight acting in the mind of man. When one consciously pictures in his mind a desire he wishes fulfilled, he's using one of the most powerful means of bringing it into visible, tangible experience. This is why I talk about the teaching that Ernest Holmes gave about the negative use of our imagination, that worry... Anxiety is the negative use of our imagination. So your 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 example is so helpful to all of us, Anna Marie, because we all have had experiences where we're visualizing the outcome we do not wish to have, the outcome that we fear, and we are. It's like my grandmother would say, "I just pray something terrible doesn't happen to you," and I I think, well. How do you do that, Grandma? Do you draw? You imagine something terrible happening to me? Like you imagine me being hit by a car and then you draw a circle and a line through it? What? How do you pray that something terrible does not happen to me? So um, if we can start to really get 
this that I've been saying for so long now, but it's it, it just takes our willingness to truly get it, that what we see on the screen of our life is we take these thoughts, which are like slides, like film, with images on them. These thoughts contain the visual, and when we put the light of our attention and run it through that thought, it projects onto the screen of our life. Now, if the thought just enters our mind for a half second, a, a moment, that's not giving it a lot of energy. But if we keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it, and if we start to take action to try and prevent what we don't want to have happen, then we're giving it more energy and more energy and more energy. And that same grandmother that I just mentioned, she... Her mother broke her hip when she was in her 80s, and then she just went right downhill from there. So my grandmother, her big fear was that she was going to break her hip, and then she'd just go right downhill from there like her mother. So what happens to my grandmother? She's actually hit by a car in her late 80s, walking down the, crossing the street with a friend. They both were hit by a car, kind of crazy. But you see, she energized that for so long. It's like my father and my mother got something called um, long-term care insurance. And um, they would always say, we've got this long-term care insurance, so you and your brother won't have to worry if something happens to us and we need long-term care. We've got long-term care insurance. We hope it's a bad investment, but we have it. It's expensive, but we hope it's a bad investment. They never mentioned it without saying, we hope it's a bad investment. Well, when my mother needed the long-term care, the insurance company couldn't provide a worker they were willing to pay for it, but they couldn't find one in our area because we were a remote area, an island off the coast of Maine. They couldn't find anyone who wanted the job. So what happened? All the money that my parents paid into that insurance became a bad investment. My father, every time he would say that, he meant... We hope that we never are sick for a really long time and need long-term care. But you see, God is no respecter of persons. This is what I was saying in the year one class yesterday, that God doesn't go, that's not really what he means. That's not what he means. So this is why I'm really inviting you to start to be more vigilant with your thought than you've ever, ever been. Because in case you haven't noticed, things are manifesting faster and faster and faster. Is anybody noticing that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I yeah. understood what you just was, were saying to you, Marie, or all, yeah. or all of us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 
So the process of trying to understand things, the process of trying to figure them out, I really invite you to listen to yesterday's year one class because we had this beautiful man, Miles, who was willing to share the false beliefs that he has that he's working with in terms of his marriage. He was really, really transparent. So I just said to him, just let's make a list. What are the thoughts that you think of when you think of your wife? And he said, I'm not attracted to you. I'm not attracted to you. This marriage is a sham. I've suffered long enough. I can't believe I'm in this position. I want to get away from you. These are the repetitive thoughts in his mind. So then you can see how the ego is thinking these thoughts and then the the other part of the ego, if you will, starts answering that with, so how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to cope with this? What's my strategy? How do I work with this? And this is why right in the beginning of Masterful Living Year One, I say, we are not coping. We are not managing. We are not strategizing. We are transcending. We are transmuting because we have that power. Well, what we can't do is we can't shine our light through all these negative images and expect to not see them projected on the screen of our life. So this is why I'm now, I just have so much clarity that if we can interrupt this pattern of trying to understand anything, trying to figure out anything, and just go into direct knowing. And if you think of some of the most brilliant people in in recent human history that we know a fair amount about, you think of Einstein, right, who taught us that we are one. Our mind is one mind. What did he used to do when he couldn't figure something out? He'd go for a walk. He'd go for a nap. He'd stopped trying to figure it out and allow his mind to open to receive it. So this is the practice. And it takes great willingness and great vigilance to say, I'm not going to try and figure it out anymore. That's pointless and useless. I am not without incredible resources. My mind is the mind of God. My life is the life of God. My heart is the heart of God. The fullness of God is with me always. The the truth is not hidden or kept from me. I have direct access to it. And so I am willing to receive it, and I do not have to figure this out. So uh, I'm inviting everyone to please read this section about visualization so we can talk about it next week. What book is that one? Unveiled Mysteries. It's the book that we've been reading this year. Okay. It's in the bookstore if you don't have it yet. Okay. Yeah, and it's available on Kindle. Okay. Yeah. So our whole job, our only job, so to speak, is to ask and then accept. 
Yeah, ask and it is given. This is really what that means. And and what, what it says in A Course in Miracles is ask and it is given because it already has been given. The fullness of the mind of God has already been given to us. It's only our denial of it that leaves us in a place of trying to figure things out. So by opening our mind and saying, my mind is the mind of God and I'm willing to know the truth, I'm willing to know the highest and best and take action accordingly, then that is the thing that dissolves the block because the block is only there because we wish it to be there. Because remember when you said earlier, Nancy, that sometimes you don't want to do what the divine guidance is. So who is it that doesn't want to do what divine guidance is? Only the ego. And that's not who you are. So we're training, because I, and I used to feel exactly the same way. I, oh, I don't want to know what the highest and best is, because what if I don't want that? What if I want something lowest and darkest? <laughs> really? I'm sorry. <laughs> that, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's spot on. <laughs> you know, the highest and best might be for me to, go out and be in nature. But right now, I want to pull the shades and and um, watch trashy movies. Ew. It's, but, you know, it's only our belief in watching trashy movies is somehow bad or wrong that makes it bad or wrong or trashy. So, because that's the only thing that makes anything what it is in this world is our thinking. Only our thinking makes it so. So this is why it's all about being disciplined in the mind. And there's this, when we're identified with the ego, the thing is, is, oh, if we do this, I'm going to lose all the good stuff. It's not going to be fun anymore. But every single person who has walked this path successfully says, you will experience peace and joy beyond anything you can actually conceive of. Every single one. No no one ever walks the path of enlightenment and is waking up and says, meh, it's really not worth it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Nobody. You are so sweet. It's like so, oh my gosh. You like it's like pure love telling the truth, and it's like, come on, guys, get. <laughs> thank yeah. you, Jennifer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So many times in the ego's mind, we think that when other people love us, when we're famous, when we're wealthy, when we have the perfect body, or any of these things, that we'll be happy. It's like um, I used to teach youth church, and you'd be amazed how many teenagers, what do you want to be when you grow up? Lottery winner. I want to be famous. I want to be a rock star. I want to be a superstar athlete. Why do they want that? They don't even know what it is, but that's what they want. Because they, you know what? They think that, that if they have that, then everything will be okay because everybody will love them and like them. 
So it always goes back to the only thing anybody ever wants is the love that they think they lost somehow. But you know what it is? is if you think of what is the greatest feeling you've ever had in your whole life? It was a week ago Sunday night, and it was peace and calm and joy and lasted all night long, and it was like I never experienced that in my entire life. And it was like I couldn't believe where it came from, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this is what it's all about. And how did you feel about your daughter then? I don't even think, I wasn't even thinking about her. It was like, well, she was the same. I mean, it just was permeated the whole world. It was That was the only thing in my mind, mm-hmm. in my heart. And so whatever, and, mm-hmm. and it, there were no other thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was there was this peace, joy, calm, love, and for that's all it was there. So beautiful. Anything I saw or whatever it was, that's what it was. I, I mean, that's all there was. It was yeah. I couldn't believe. It's like wow. Yep. So this is the thing: is that many people think that the greatest happiness would be if they were famous, if they were loved, if they were special. But the truth is, the greatest feeling in the whole world is when we feel love, when we're the ones who are expressing the love, when we're the ones who are expressing the peace and the joy and the freedom, not when other people are. Though certainly when other people are, it can trip us right into it. But it's we think that, oh, other people loving us will make us happy. But it's really when we can love someone, even if they don't love us, but we can love them and feel unfettered and free, regardless of what they're doing, then we experience the joy and the peace. What you just said, the unfettered and free, and I remember that was the first meeting I went to. It was Sunday night last week, and I only went because I decided I made I remember making the decision this is for me I'm doing this for me I am worth it There you go early I everything it's like I made that choice that was the first choice I made the decision that I am worth this and I'm doing this for me and I deserve it And that's and that was it was like oh my gosh I've never done this in my entire life chosen that- Yeah, and that decision is the thing that brought you the peace. Right. Then you took the divinely inspired action to affirm your decision. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's what brought you the peace. Okay. So it's not going to the meeting. It's important for you to understand that. It's not you're going to the meeting. It's you decided, I am important. And that I am is part of the equation here. You didn't say, I bet you, you didn't say, Nancy is important. I am important. Right. I said, I am important. Yeah, I am, which is God. Yes. Yes. Oh my 
So I am that I am. And I am important. All right. So we're at time here. I'm going to play a song after I pray us out. So I'm just going to hit the mute button here. And I want to thank everyone for a wonderful class. So good to have you with us, Nancy and Anna Marie. And let's take that breath of love and gratitude here once again and invoke the violet flame once again into our awareness, setting ourselves free. We're grateful and thankful to remember I am that I am. And I am one with the I am presence of everyone. So grateful to invoke the violet flame into every activity of our life and into the fullness of our awareness. So grateful and so thankful to say yes to unprecedented healing, true joy, divine wisdom. We're sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen.